Hey everybody, George here again with another episode of the In Good Spirits podcast with... Hi, Chris Lindstrom, as usual. And I'm Brian. Um, Brian's my good friend from the fine state of Massachusetts, coming to visit this weekend. And uh, he's a regular on my Food About Town podcast. We talk all sorts of home cooking and, you know, general food issues. But here today to talk whiskey and George... What's our topic for today? Today, in spirit of, well, happy 4th to everyone who's listening on the day we put it up. Yep, 4th um, of July weekend, so here we are. American single malt whiskey. So, American single malt whiskey. We've done some scotch episodes recently where we talked about, you know, single malted things. So, assuming it's the same concept and that this is a single grain malted base for the whiskey. Yes. So the unfortunate thing about American single malt as it stands right now, though, is it's not actually a regulated term and it doesn't mean much of anything, unfortunately. Okay. However, the examples we're going to be having today, in fact, do adhere to the guidelines of 100% malted barley from one single distillery, et cetera, et cetera. But now the question, one, you've got a countdown on your screen, which either is oh, something no. going to explode or your camera is doing something cool. So while George is getting his camera reset, the question is, so when it comes to American single malt, since there's no regulation, could they use something like a different grain? Because they use, could they use instead of malted barley, could they use something else? They could do anything they want because it's unregulated. It means nothing okay. at all. But there's actually a group of distillers that came together and created the American single malt commission and they're actually pushing to get legislation passed to regulate american single malt as 100 percent malted barley from one distillery and they have other rules and regulations that they've written into it regards to aging and all that to give the same leeway in terms of casking as like scotch does where you can you don't need new oak okay to call it the category you can go right to a wine barrel if you want okay no that sounds interesting because I mean, as kind of you and I have talked about, I think offline mostly, we may have mentioned it. You know, I know you have some creativity thoughts in your heart about opportunities to do things like creative uh, creative wood aging and potentially other malting as well because it's it probably has some opportunity for more creativity, but it's also nice to restrict a category so you know what to expect too. Absolutely, yeah. And actually, uh, both of these examples of single malt fall into what all those rules would be okay. while being incredibly creative. Oh, that's really exciting. So, yeah, I think the first one, um, looking at our sample bottle, which these are our cute little sample bottles, by the way, that George, that George makes up. These are cute bottles. They're very nice. Um, so this is uh, from the Journeyman Distillery, which I think I've tried one or two things from there, but I think through your, uh, through your largesse and your sampling i think i've tried a couple of these but uh what is uh what's this uh, specific edition this specific edition is their three oaks single malt named for the place they're from three oaks michigan as well as the three types of barrel this whiskey sees before bottling hmm, and those okay. barrels are ex bourbon barrels as well as ex rum and export barrels wow that's a lot going on there's no doubt about that and it's, yeah, it's definitely cool stuff. Yeah, and I think I've, 
you know, I think we've talked about this before. It's weird if, if before you start trying to get the nose on something, you don't know the notes, you can get far different results when you know what the actual bases are. And maybe it's just a, you know, a, I wouldn't say a huge lack of experience, but just a matter of when you're trying to discern specific nose notes or tasting notes, knowing and not knowing is actually really interesting when it comes to how your brain works. Absolutely true. Yeah. Without a doubt. Cause when there's that like expectation, you'll often, yeah, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll go searching for what you know should be there or think should be there rather. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. No, it's definitely just, not. It's just a very different way of thinking about it. It changes, changes the way you nose taste, changes the way you taste. Sometimes pure blind tasting is a great exercise. Um, it can be obviously very, you know, when you get into wine blind tasting, trying to ID wines, it can be very pretentious. Um, not that I don't enjoy that kind of thing. I certainly do. I, I'm very pretentious about many things. But <laughs> at the same time, it, it does inform the way you taste. And it's, it's just an interesting way to, it's interesting to see how your mind reacts to it. So on that note, though, I know you both may have done a little sniffing and tasting before we got going here. Yeah, we started and before a little bit. you knew. What did you think before uh, beforehand? Before we got going. I mean, so I'm I'm a rather novice at the tastings, but I noticed caramel, vanilla, right away. Yeah, absolutely. So it's yeah, it definitely has definitely has the caramel and vanilla. The um, I think the grain's very prominent. So the question is. Is this just malted barley, or does it have any other grains in it? 100% malted barley. Wow. Like I said, these these guys that we're tasting today 100% fit what the proposed American single malt category would be. So, yeah, 100% malted barley. Yeah, it's interesting because I think the, the grain presence on the nose is pretty strong. So it's not it's not quite as integrated as some of the other ones we've tasted. I think the barley presence on the nose is is pretty prominent. I don't it's not offensive, but it's it's pretty noticeable that it is it's grain forward, which usually indicates something that's a little bit younger. And that this is I don't know the exact age, but it's countable on one hand, I do know that. Yeah. No, that that makes sense. And it's again, when we say that we're just trying to define how this is one of the lessons I learned when we've been doing tastings is that when you get more grain presence on the nose, it tends to be a little younger. If you get a big sharp notes, it tends to be a little younger. These are little tips and tricks from tasting that you start to build in your mind to start to indicate the, indicate the age presence on a, on a whiskey. Beyond that grain though, I get so much like mapleiness and, like almost like a pancakey, like that grain. It comes through to me. It's like almost buckwheat pancakey. No, I think that's very fair because there is definitely some sweetness on the nose, and it's not it's not anything that's it's not omnipresent. It's not perfuming it too much, but it's it's very integrated sweetness at least on the nose. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit of dryness. You know, a little bit of dustiness, and I think that's the you know that's the barley influence because barley has that kind of profile. Whether you're cooking it as a culinary ingredient or as a you know spirit, uh, as a spirit base. 
you know, I'm not getting, it's not a heavy malt, so I'm not getting much, if any, you know, smoke from it. Um, yeah, definitely no, no smoke on this. Just, just regular old malted barley. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's not, uh, you know, it's not smoked. It's not dark. It's not any of that stuff. It's very cleanly grain focused. Hmm. Well, I get like a lot of dried fruit in there too. I'm struggling. I'm to be honest. I'm struggling to get fruit right now. Think like dried, like uh, like dried cherries, dried strawberries, like almost apricotty. No, as soon as as soon as you said strawberry, it popped. It popped on my nose, and it's that. It's that high note. It's that high note of strawberry when you're when you're smelling them, before you actually taste them. It's it's one of those weird strawberry flavors. I'm not a huge strawberry fan, actually, and it's it's that very high part of it that's almost green-like. Because this doesn't have a lot of huge fruit notes. It's maybe a little green when it comes to that. That's fair, yeah. It's very interesting. Anyways, I'm going to go for my first sip. What are you thinking there? You kind of, you look like you're thinking about it. I am. So my statement about the youth is very valid, especially on the palate as well. Um, you know, that sweetness we were detecting on the nose, not, not very present on the palate at all. <laughs> so it's... Brian stumped. No, I'm getting, you know, it's weird... I don't know the proof on this, but I'm getting the alcohol presence. I'm getting that that brightness, that alcohol brightness. I wouldn't say it's that, you know, like that, uh, like the fruit brightness or anything else. I'm getting that sharpness from the alcohol. I'm going to go ahead and guess that it's uh, 45%, 90 proof. Nailed it. Wow. Look at me. You got it right on the head there. Um, I'm for me, like this whiskey tastes. I'm going back to that buckwheat pancake thing. Yeah, really rich, heavy maple syrup on buckwheat pancakes with some fruit on top. Yeah, that the is the embodiment of what is in the glass with this for me. Yeah, I think the weird thing. So, so Brian, correct me. Depending on how it's hitting on your palate. I'm getting, I'm getting the sweetness right up front on the top of my palate, and George is counting down again. <laughs> um, I'm getting the sweetness. I'm getting some of those, you know, vanilla caramely notes on the on my tongue and the top of my palate, but it fades really quickly into a more savory barley notes. Like yeah. that, that's how it's running over my palate. I'm getting something similar where that sweetness is just right up front, and then it just goes away. Yeah, it kind of it really it degrades very quickly. And degrade not in a bad way, but it degrades from sweetness to savory barley notes very quickly. Yeah, I tend, I, I'm going to agree with that one. Yeah, it's almost... Yeah, like the syrup, and then you get into the meat of the pancake, you know? Uh, yeah, you know what? You're you're keeping on with this pancake thing, and I, I don't disagree with you. I haven't it's... had pancakes in a while, <laughs> so... I actually prefer waffles very strongly to pancakes, but... <laughs> 
Yeah, because I, I just can't. I can't shake the pancake thing with this whiskey. No, and it's really. I think the buckwheat is a great. It's a great way of describing it. The buckwheat pancake because it's. It's almost like it was glazed, but the inside didn't absorb anything at all. Right, I, right, right. The reason why we're being so specific about this is because the front flavors are sweeter. And it's, I don't think it has a huge presence of the other, what What were the other casks again? You said it was ex-bourbon. Bourbon, port, and rum. So bourbon, port, and rum. You know, I think I'm getting more of the bourbon presence than I'm getting the port and rum presence in the whiskey itself. And that that's personally. I, would, I get a little of everything that bourbon you get that carameliness the vanilla you get some of that woodiness but the port brings in that dried fruit we're getting a little of that spiciness that's very subtle there well now the it's rum, weird it's weird now that you see mapley like the mapleiness says without a doubt from the rum yeah you know it's weird now that we go through it again now that i'm tasting it again it's the beginning, middle, and end. So I'm gonna I'm gonna taste and walk through it again. Front of the palate, I'm getting that bourbon sweetness. I'm getting that a little bit of that almost powdered sugar sweetness. Middle. Now that I'm focusing on how it's hitting the top of my palate, I'm getting the fruits. And as it lingers on the back. That longer finish, I'm getting the those buttery those buttery rum notes, but they're not huge. Everything in this is very subtle. This is not bombing you with any of those flavors. And that's one of the things I like a lot about it because it's, everything's subtle and so well integrated that it just all feels like one cohesive, like coherent. Like we'll say it's a dish. Like yeah the plate of buckwheat pancakes with syrup and fruit you know it's it's the, <laughs> i'm just gonna keep going with it you know you know i'm not gonna stop now no but i think this this is actually very i find this one a little bit challenging i find it a little bit challenging to do at first glance and the fact that you walked through it with the notes actually helped me to discern where in my palate and when in the tasting process each of those things were bouncing on there and it's kind of a kind of a path it starts very high and then kind of lingers through which i find it's a very interesting whiskey because of that it's not one dominant note it's very complex but also it's none of it's screaming and that's kind of interesting in of itself yeah without a doubt it's all very i don't want to say monotone because that's definitely not hmm. definitely not the right way to put it but each note, you know, each aspect of it, they're all, it's like a, it's a choir. They're all singing in the same key, so to speak. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't have the benefit of a lot of age to merge everything together. And because all the things are very subtle, like it's not a screaming whiskey in any form. Like, I mean, each part, it seems after, after hearing both of you discuss it, I can, each, I guess each aging process or each aging component does does make itself apparent just not in a you know a blaring siren type of sound yeah well i think that's the it's one of the interesting things about tasting something like this that doesn't have like we've tasted some before where 
you know, the sherry and the port was just like, oh, you can't ignore this. This is huge dried fruits. This is huge. Oh, God, yeah. Sherry, sherry bomb whiskey. And this isn't that at all. This is... No, not at all. Everything about it's subtle. And to be honest, I mean, this is this is just part of my, you know, part of my learning process when it comes to this, is I, I'm not sure I would have picked it out unless you told me all those things. But I'm glad you did, because now we've spent the time to work through it. And I feel like I've been able to give this a better a better run for its money. Yeah, at best, I would have been able to pick bourbon, probably the easiest one. Rum, maybe a close second, but no way I would have picked out the port. Yeah. Fair oh. enough. We only so hit- overall... Oh, no, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, overall, though, uh, what do you think of it, dude? Do you love it? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Do you, how do you see yourself drinking this? Is this, you know, what do you think? So I say I like it. Um, probably not something I'd be going out to hunt necessarily. I'm enjoying it, but is it is it my most uh, favorite of the things we've tasted? Not necessarily. Um, am I happy to have had it? Absolutely. We're we're dropping water for a second, which I know George is not a fan of, but we're doing it anyways. No, but you know what? You do you, man. It's your Snickers. Eat it the way you want to. I like it a lot more with the water. Just to drop it kind of, it kind of rounds it out. It doesn't have quite as much sweetness up front, but it kind of rounds the whole palate out. Makes it a little bigger on the mid palate. Um, anyways, so short answer, yes, I like it. Um, it's probably not something I'd reach for, though. Probably not something I'd go hunting for. I mean, I'm more of a chartreuse general person, so <laughs> my flavor palette oh. tends, tends to be blown out a lot. Yeah, we I actually those. Yeah, well, we we actually broke into thanks to thanks to George for hunting this out. We broke into our um, VSOP um, uh, Oak Age Chartreuse uh, yesterday, and it's uh, pretty fantastic. Maybe in a future episode, since I have it here, we're going to taste a little bit of that stuff too. So, I think that'd be a good idea. So, I think it's kind of funny you mentioned with this whiskey, though, not wanting to hunt for it. Uh, I'll use the volume of which came into New York State or comes into New York State with this whiskey. Um, you're looking at maybe maybe 24 to 36 bottles to come maybe every year. Wow. To the whole state, yeah. Now, to be fair, um, now that I've put a little bit of water in it, I like it a lot more. We've done this a few times now where it hasn't helped it. This one, I feel like it would be, I don't often say this, I think this would be great on a giant ice cube. I think a and little that's bit absolutely of, fair, yeah. I think a little bit of coolness and a little bit of dilution would actually do this very well. So, um, if you have the chance to try this, that would be my actual recommendation without actually putting a cube in it. But with that little bit of dilution, I think it rides a little bit smoother through the path. And that that would be my recommendation, but um what's our what's our price point on this boy? Around sixty-ish. Yeah, so I think this is this is one where I don't think I'd be picking it up at that price personally. But um, is it interesting? Is it good? Absolutely. Yeah. So 
just as a quick advice, we may need to take a quick break because George's camera has a beautiful red battery note on it. I see that. Let's just... um, Are we going to roll through? Let's just roll through. All right, let's do it. I don't know how long that's going to last. All right, let's do it. So we'll find out. So we're going to finish this. Power through. Power through. We only have our two Glencairn, so I'm going to finish the rest of this, and we're going to pour the next one, which is... Corsair Hydra. Now, Corsair, that's a distillery I'm not as familiar... Oh, you know, now that you show me the bottle, I've seen the bottle before, but I didn't recognize the didn't recognize the actual distillery. Where is yep, it located? They, they are in Nashville, Tennessee, and Bowling Green, Kentucky. They might have closed their Bowling Green, Kentucky location at this point. I don't, I don't remember. My brain is fried today. <laughs> yeah, mine was, too. You know, yeah, it was a little little warm today, and I was outside a lot, including. Uh, blacksmithing in front of like a 1500 degree forge so i've i've sweat out all of my intellect at this point what were you were were you working on blacksmithing today just practicing dicking around oh that's fun Uh oh three seconds two seconds one seconds oh no oh (laughs) i'm dead so so while george is gone uh we're gonna start nosing the corsair now first nose this is more when we talk about single malts. Now, this is one where I'm getting maybe a touch of touch of smoke. This isn't this isn't what the last one was. No, very different than the last one. And it very is smoked. Different. I'm not going to tell you what woods yet, because I kinda oh, wanna Oh look at you. And, so yeah, yeah I'm but, definitely getting the smoke on the nose. Which is very pleasant. I mean yeah, a lot of smoke, less sweet. Yeah, less sweet. Um, this is this is where I start getting those. I'm starting to get those apple-y notes, um, like uh, unfiltered apple cider notes to it, uh, which I love. This is when we talk about single malts and we talk about scotch. These are things I really enjoy, and boy, I'm loving this. I'm loving this whole George isn't on the screen thing. This is making me know, very happy. Yeah. Because I, I get to dominate everything when it comes to the video and the audio, although you can you can still chime in audio wise. <laughs> yeah, you can you can see my black square illuminate green. It feels really edge. nice. So yeah, I love the smoke is really pleasant. Um, is where where I'm looking out the window right now, and I'm seeing a sky that turns from purple to pink to like light yellow to the tree line. And it feels this feels campfirey. This feels, but not not in a, you know, not in an overly smoky way, but in that you're very relaxed. You're sitting next to the campfire, and the smoke is kind of relaxing the the palate. It smells it it smells fantastic. I'm really enjoying it. I guess it's kind of like grilling or making s'mores. That's what I can think of this think of this as. I love that. I love that because I'm getting just that, that bare amount of sweetness. Like the bare amount of sweetness, I love the fruitiness. I'm 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 enjoying everything about the nose on this. It's pretty fantastic. Yeah, there's definitely some cider and apple juice type yeah. of type of smell going on. But I think I get that in a lot of scotches and I get that in a lot of these single malt type things, especially with the smoke. Yeah, usually when I have scotch like Lafroy, the smoke can just blow out your senses. Yeah. 
but yeah, and this it, is it not does. there. No, well, this isn't this isn't peated, and that's that's something yeah. we covered in other episodes. You know, the difference between the the malt base and the peat, you know, the peat aspects. You know, with that iodine, those medicinal notes. Right. But and the this smoke, one, yeah, go ahead. Uh, hardwood smoked for sure, but yeah, no peat, so it's been smoked, but not with uh, thousands of year old dead vegetation <laughs> with. <laughs> with trees, wonderful, happy trees. No, I think the hardwood aspect makes a lot of sense. Like I said, I'm getting apple. I'm not getting a dominant push of a specific wood. Like, I don't... I may rue the day I said this. Like, I'm not getting hickory. I'm not getting intense smoked hardwood. It's very... It's present, but it's not dominating anything that we're doing. So what what about you, George, you while yet, you're talking about it? Without saying what kind of woods are in there, I get like a, a lot of that apple, a lot of like, think like, I think of like applewood smoked bacon notes, like kind of savory. Absolutely. And there's a lot of like, it, oh. it smells like brisket, like very briskety. I think like that's, a little sweet, sweet yeah. and briskety. No, I think that's great because it. I'm not getting. I now that you mentioned brisket, I'm pulling some pepper notes. I'm pulling a little bit more of those high notes, but that also might be because I just tasted it too. Because I'm getting now, I'm getting a little bit of the floral on the palate. Those high florals, like you get in black pepper. Mm. Wow. I mean, transitioning to the palate on this. Now, we talked about sweetness in the last where it started sweet. This one pops sweet. It doesn't just start sweet. It actually pops with a little bit of that a little bit of that sugar on the palate. I definitely got to get like a candied bacon almost. Oh, I love that. I love that note because as much as the smoke is present on the nose, it's also very prominent on the palate. I like that candied bacon note. Definitely, again, like sweet mm. and savory at the same time. Like, like a nice, like, can, well, candied bacon's perfect, Ooh. but like a hardwood smoked bacon where you're getting the wood notes, you're getting the sweet notes, you're getting the floral notes, you're getting savory, you're getting everything all at once. Like that, that caramelized sugar. It's not just sweet, it's like reductive sweetness. Well, and I think that's a very interesting point because so I'm going to taste and go through my my tasting process. We did this on the first one, but I'd like to do it again because this one also has a I think a very distinct journey. So you get the big the big rolling over the palate sweetness transitions quickly into those savory notes, but I think it transitioned into those very dark caramel notes like the back of the palate's almost that almost burned caramel which i love i love dark almost burned caramel notes yeah, you get that that um bitter a little bit of bitter char at the end yeah and i think that bitterness is what makes it what makes this fantastic because if it if it stayed with that front super sweet note all the way through it would be cloying because that first wave of sweetness over the palate is strong 
again, not not in an offensive way. This isn't this isn't a you know sugar added or cloying whiskey, but that first wave is very sweet. Mm. Yeah, most definitely very sweet, mm. but just so rich. Yeah, and everything's so well integrated, and everything. It, again, it comes together mm. like a dish. And for me, it's brisket. This whiskey tastes like brisket. See, and it's it's that last part of my palate that's getting. And for me, brisket. When we talk about brisket, my favorite briskets. And Brian will back me up on this because yeah. even though I don't currently eat meat, um, sorry to disappoint everybody here, I am, uh, I'd say, 99% vegan right now. Um, when I was, I'm a nerd about all of my foodstuffs, and brisket, certainly one of those. And one of the dominant flavors of a properly made brisket is smoke and black pepper. And for me, when I think brisket, Yes, I think the intense beefiness and the fattiness of a brisket, but I think black pepper. I mean, I'm thinking this is more like burnt ends more than anything. See, I like that. I, I like that because it's, I'm getting the pepper, I'm getting those high notes of the pepper, and that's that's what I'm enjoying in the very, you know, if we're talking about like three or four phases of this, this is the lingering, those high florals, that almost sharpness that lingers that sharp dryness that lingers on your palate that's where i'm getting black pepper on this which i'm finding yeah, really interesting i can definitely see that for sure this is definitely one of those whiskeys though where you just kind of want to hang out with it for a while just sip slow absolutely have not much else going on you don't want to have it with food simply because it's going to be better than the food you're having with it anyway. So why <laughs> why waste the food? No, and I I agree completely. So any, I want you both to try this. Uh, any wagers on what type of wood? And I'm going to give you a hint. There are five. It is penta smoked. <laughs> five different hardwoods were used I in mean, smoking. It's just like malting a the barley. Thing. So if if we're talking five woods. So I'm gonna make some I'm gonna make some bets purely on logic and the fact that we know it's American. American. We know it's American. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so so since we know it's American, I'm gonna to lean towards American hardwoods. So I'm gonna say there's applewood in it. That's my first guess. Yes. No. All right. I, uh, do you want to go one by one here? Do you want to? Well, we could we could go family just, family feud style. Just lay just lay it on us. Yeah. No. Let, let's. What we're gonna we're gonna guess a couple. So. I don't know enough hard American hardwoods to even make this. Okay. So I'm <laughs> just imagine I'm in... the most tasty looking trees that you just want to go up and bite the wood out of the tree. Right. Those are the <laughs> those are the woods. Right. So here. I'm I'm gonna guess the classic American hardwoods. So I'm gonna guess I'm gonna guess apple. I'm gonna guess cherry. Because now that we talk cherry, I'm getting a little bit of it on my palate. I guess apple, cherry, hickory, oak, and um, last one I'm struggling with. I'm gonna guess. 
maybe pecan. That would be that would be my fifth guess when we're talking pure oh. American. Holy shit! Uh, well, you only got two right. Okay, that's <laughs> pretty good. That's pretty but, good. Um, your your grasping at straws at the end there was actually right. Yeah, the two of the five are apple and pecan. Okay, so what what do we do for the rest? Sugar maple, black walnut, and persimmon. Persimmon is not the most American of hardwoods. Now, I'm not going to lie to say that I'm tasting persimmon in this, and nor do I know what persimmon would taste like. But I do have to say, just from a culinary standpoint, persimmon is a fascinating fruit. I don't know about you, Brian. I, mean, I, I mean, love persimmon. I haven't had that in a long time, so I... Please remind us what that tastes like. So my my favorite it's I, like a persimmon, duh. Oh well, well, I mean, well, obviously. <laughs> so my favorite persimmon memory is I was in San Francisco. We were in a market in the middle of the city, and I had bought what turned out to be a perfectly ripe persimmon, and it tasted like raw sweet corn. It had this milky, bright sweetness with a little bit of apricot roundness to it. And I think persimmon is a fascinating fruit. Problem if it's, problem is if it is underripe, it tastes terrible. <laughs> Do not eat an underripe persimmon. Eat it when it's ripe. Uh, I would just like to say two things because that made me think of it. One, though, I want to say, you know you eat a lot of food when you have a favorite persimmon memory <laughs> instead of a persimmon memory? <laughs> I mean, I would agree there since but also, I have no persimmon memories. <laughs> yeah, I, I, My persimmon memory is this whiskey. And seeing the the fruit itself on a A to Z list of fruits in my aunt's house as a kid. Like it's a beautiful poster. looking fruit. <laughs> it is. But uh... <laughs> it, it's weird. Now that we're talking about persimmon, I can actually taste it in there. But, you know, it's again, I, I think suggestiveness when it comes to palate notes is prominent. But now I I'm feeling like I'm getting some of those notes in there. But then again, I've never tasted or smelled persimmon wood before, so I might be completely off base with that. Well, I would I would say I think that when it comes to hardwoods from fruit-bearing trees, there's going to be some similarities because it's obviously it's all the same plant. It's all the same thing there. But I just want to, real quick, speaking of never eating something underripe, passion fruit. Oh, I've never had an underripe passion fruit. So every packaging of anything you've ever seen with like passion fruit on it, that shows the nice, smooth, beautiful-looking fruit. Yeah, is a fucking lie. That is underripe. <laughs> you want the nastiest-looking, like, shriveled, raisiny passion fruits? That's when they're ready. But nobody tells you that. And you go to the store and you're like, "Oh, passion fruit. I've never actually eaten one." So I'm gonna grab the nicest-looking one and the second nicest-looking one because most of these look like ball sack. <laughs> <laughs> well, the trouble with passion fruit. I mean, passion fruit is so acidic. I mean, the last time oh, I, yeah, I, and I, I haven't had passion fruit in a while. The last time I even even ventured in that realm was to make was a passion fruit juice to make a white sangria more than anything. Yeah, we actually had we had a cocktail tonight. We ventured out into the um, into the world to eat outdoors at a restaurant tonight, and I actually had passion fruit in one of my cocktails, which was delightful. Uh, this was um, not to venture too much into cocktails, but this was gin passion fruit. Um, elderflower liqueur obviously um saint germain and a little bit of bitters um delightful because the passion fruit kind of balanced out the saint germain elderflower liqueur uh thing to make it a little bit brighter 
Um, but yeah, this is this is one. This is a fantastic, uh, fantastic whiskey. I'm loving this, and I'm a hundred percent picturing sitting in front of this. Did you just spill your whiskey on Brian? Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm licking it off my hand because I loved it that much. Um, so one, I can 100% picture sitting in front of a fire and really luxuriating in this, uh, embracing the smoke characteristics, maybe burning some decent wood, and enjoying that part of it sitting in front of the fire. I think this would be a great fire, uh, outdoor fire whiskey on a warm evening. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. Much like tonight. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, time to time to set a set a set a fire, set a fire. You know, your garage or something. If you don't need it anymore, you know, just go out. There. An indoor fire, arson. Yes, artisan um. fire indoors. <laughs> no, see, I, I I love this one. I think this is uh, this is much more up my alley. It's got some rounded profile, a lot of different things going on. So, uh, what's our what's our price point on this boy, George? Low to mid fifties. So nothing too crazy. I think it's absolutely worth it. No, a hundred percent. Every every sense of the work. I am there. I am all I am all about this one. So yeah, this is this is right up my alley. Oh yeah, we're we're gonna do we're gonna do a couple drops because we're we're all about that here. We're all about that here in the Food About Town studio. I hear I hear the water really brings out the persimmon. <laughs> <laughs> gonna take you right back to San Francisco. Ooh. Keeps the mid palate rounded all the way through. Bigger sweetness, bigger roundness. Uh kind of kind of flows a little bit differently. So this is one of those times I think both of these benefited from a couple drops of water. Uh opened them up a little bit, rounded them out. Um I think this one I probably prefer without, but just barely. Because I think it's it's good with and without. All right, Rain Man. What's the proof, though? <laughs> okay, hold on one second. I'm gonna be basic and say it's. Um, I'd say it's. Uh, I'm just gonna say it's eighty. I'm gonna say it's straight forty forty percent. Eighty four proof. Forty two percent. God damn it. I was thinking, I was thinking just over, but I yeah I didn't want well, to be I'm not, too. I'm not taking you to play blackjack with me now. I, I thought that was a chance to test that. There, we're not going. <laughs> no, this is this is fantastic. I think at the at the low fifties dollar, um, I am all about this one. Uh, this is definitely my pick of the two. Um, I, I absolutely love this. Mm. Brian, what do you think? I would say this is much more rounded than the than the first one we had. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's got a lot more things going on. I think the smoke It smokes pleasant more yeah, than anything. Yeah, very pleasant. Mm. Yeah, love this guy. Um George, what what's your thoughts on it? I fucking love this whiskey <laughs> just cuz like like both of these whiskeys like I've got a bunch of American single malts we could have done for this. Yeah. But what I like about these two and what I thought would be fun uh, to do with you guys was given your your love of food like this like i get two dishes out of each well a dish out of each of these whiskeys the first one absolute breakfast buckwheat pancakes syrup with the dried fruit and this is just brisket a sweet 
mm. savory, peppery brisket. Yeah, and I think that's that's a great description. And I think opening up your mind to describing whiskey uh, from a culinary standpoint can open up the way you taste, too. And I think that it's great to suggest things and see how it plays on your palate and your taste expectations. Not everybody has weird persimmon experiences to be or able to Or any just, persimmon experiences. <laughs> yeah, or any, more than anything. <laughs> to be able to describe these things, but ref- referencing it to what you already know on your palate is the way to taste these kind of things. So do your best, and then when somebody suggests it, maybe go out and try something and learn to taste that. I think it's a great way to expand the way you do taste things and think of it from a culinary sense as well as a in good spirit sense. <laughs> so I think let's close out for this episode. Um, Brian, where can they find you on the social medias if they want to reach out after your after our performance tonight? I mean, why would they want to reach out? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can find me at chew underscore on underscore this on Instagram or Twitter. Or Twitter. Yep, it's, and that's uh, C-H-U-E. Um, and uh, I'm at Strummy, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Food About Town podcast all over your podcast dials. Uh, Mr. George, how do they find you other than on our video feed because I'm dominating the video tonight. On my screen, I even made you real big. So <laughs> I'm, a little, I'm a little black square right now. So this is, this is your show today. Oh, what a deal. You deserve it. Uh, <laughs> he certainly I can, does. I can be found on Instagram at Whiskey Jedi, and you can find us on pretty much all of the different podcast streaming services except for Pandora because they haven't gotten back to me yet. So find us anywhere. And then on YouTube, you can find us there too. And... We're all, and now you can find us on Facebook, uh, the show, and on uh, the thing with the square pictures, Instagram. Yeah, the thing with the square pictures. Yeah, so subscribe At to us. IGS Podcast. Oh, IGS Podcast. Beautiful. So, yeah, make sure to subscribe on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up. Um, and we'd appreciate if you uh, subscribed. <laughs> subscribe on your favorite podcast app as well. If you have any trouble subscribing, let us know. We'll make sure we'll get set up on your favorite platform. So thanks so much for watching or listening, and we'll be back next time on In Good Spirits. I'm waving. You just can't see it. Bye. Cheers.